Stay hungry, stay foolish. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. I have a dream. We'll one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Hello and welcome to the Knowledge is Power podcast. I'm your host, Max Willett. And today, like I say in every podcast, I have another special guest. Um, Just one guest today, not two, but uh, it's going to be a really interesting episode. So if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself. Sure. I'm Rick Gallipo. I live in Richmond. I live in town here. Yeah. And I grew up in uh, I grew up in Connecticut. Lived in Norwich, Connecticut, my whole life, and moved here probably about five years ago. Okay, very cool. So, what kind of business did you have? I own a well. I owned a energy service company called an Esco. Okay. So we did energy efficiency improvements for commercial, mostly focused on commercial industrial customers in the New England area. It was called World Energy. Well, yep. it still is called World Energy Efficiency Solutions. Okay. And and what made you want to get into the energy industry? I've been in the energy industry my entire life. I, you know, I was I took electrical, you know, engineering in school. I came out, I worked as an electrician. I you know, went to work for a utility. So I've always been in the energy business and in the energy efficiency field pretty much all my entire life. Okay, very cool. Um, so what did your business mainly do? Like, what services did it offer? Yeah, so so it, it's still, I sold my business back in May, but yep. it still exists and I still work for it. Yeah, so okay. So I, I kind of talk as if it's still mine. So okay. just to differentiate that. And then we can explain how I sold it and how yeah. all that went. But um, So we, we focused, like I said, on energy efficiency working primarily with small to medium-sized commercial industrial businesses throughout throughout New England. And we've, we've been expanding, but I'll talk about that in a second. But we, we look at lighting measures, energy efficiency, uh, energy efficient HVAC, motors. So basically, we go into a building and anything that consumes electric energy or natural gas, we try to find a way to make it more energy efficient. And we work with the utilities um, throughout New England because they offer some pretty substantial incentives and financing to offset the cost. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of purchase orders with the utilities in the area um, that that, part, that we partner with and we're able to bring those incentives and the financing to the customers, bringing the payback down and making the projects look a lot more tr- attractive. Very cool. So I'd like to go in a little bit of your background, you know, um, where, where did you go to school? If you went to school, what sort of jobs you had before starting your own business? Sure. Yeah, so my schooling is a, a little unique. Well, at least I think it's a little unique. I went to uh, New England Tech, actually, and okay. got a degree in, I think at the time it was called electrical technology. So I got an associate's degree in electrical technology. Mm-hmm. Didn't have a lot of money, so I couldn't continue going to school. So I went and uh, got a job, but I'll just continue on my education pass, uh, path. So then I... Once I got a job, I started going at night, and I went at night at uh, Eastern Connecticut State University, and I earned a bachelor's in business and then a master's in organizational management. Okay. So I jokingly say that I couldn't make up my mind. I was engineering, I was business, I was management, but when I look back at it, all of that really was important in what I do and kind of shaped where you know the direction that I've that I've gone in. 
So that's kind of my educational background. Mm-hmm. And it took me a long time. Going at night is, is I give people who do that a lot of credit because it's not easy to work full time and, yeah. and go to school at night. So it, it was a lot of work. Um, as far as my career, I, I think I mentioned it before. I after, after I went to New England Tech, I got a job. I was actually working in a trash to energy plant in Willimantic, Connecticut. I was an a electrician what? there. A what energy plant? Trash to energy. Trash to, is that a bit company? Like garbage oh. to energy. Like oh, true, trash to energy. Trash to energy. Oh, yeah, okay. Yes, yes. Huh. So they would collect all the trash from the local area, burn it, and turn it into you know have go through you know power a turbine and generate mm-hmm. energy. So I was the electrician there. Okay. So I worked there for a couple of years, learned a lot because I really didn't have a lot of experience. So I was learning a lot, doing a lot of maintenance work on the equipment, the conveyors, the boilers, all that kind of equipment to keep the plant operating. Okay. And then I left there and I went to work for um, Northeast Utilities in Connecticut, which is now Eversource. Okay. So I worked there for actually 21 years I worked there, but I in various departments, but quickly in my career I moved to the energy efficiency group. So I worked with um in that in that aspect I was working with the contractors, we call them vendors, the vendors out in the field that were doing implementation of work. So I would work with them, help them you know, develop incentives and projects and basically I was on the you know, the utility side of it offering the incentives to the customers and the contracts to get energy efficiency um, projects to, you know, happen. Okay. So I worked there, um, like I said, I worked there for 21 years, and then I left there and went to work for Rise Engineering in uh, in Cranston. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the largest, they're in ESCO as well, energy service companies. I actually had heard of them when yes. you said that, yeah. Yep, yep. They're, they're very popular here, especially here in Rhode Island. That's where they started. Actually, RISE started as a nonprofit organization, and RISE stood for uh, Rhode Islanders Saving Energy, and it was mostly residential, and mm-hmm. it evolved from there. So I went to work for for, the, for them as a business a director of business development. Um, we expanded into you know we got contracts in new york and in vermont did a lot of you know expansion of commercial industrial programs there and then um i had a uh, i had a friend that i had hired back to work for me at northeast utilities he came with me to rise engineering and he really had a vision of starting his own company and really wanted to do that and after almost forcing me to do that he talked me into us to both quit our jobs and go start our own business which we did in 2000 2010, we started our own business called Northeast Energy Solutions. We operated it out of Cromwell, Connecticut. Okay. So we were doing energy efficiency work still, but on our own. It was a little bit of a niche because there was a lot of um, ESCOs like us, but most of them were working on lighting measures. Lighting was, you know, everybody understood lights. You have a 60-watt light bulb, you take it out, you put in a 15-watt light bulb, you save, you know, you save that energy. It's pretty Mm -hmm. straightforward. But we focused on non-lighting. So we did refrigeration, HVAC, things like that that other ESCOs weren't doing. So we quickly evolved. We, we got a lot of business. We did very well very quickly. And in 2011, basically a year after we started, we got acquired by a company called World Energy Solutions. So we started working for them. They, they bought our company. We were four employees at the time. They bought our company, and we... Um, continued to grow it. We expanded into Massachusetts, opened an office in Worcester. Actually, we didn't open it. World Energy Solutions was located in Worcester, Mass. So we, you know, 
continued to hire people and grow that business. And we grew it to pretty substantial size. I mean, for us, we went from four employees to maybe, you know, 25, 30 employees. Wow. Um, and then World Energy Solutions got purchased by a company called Enernoc in 2015. And at that point, my business partner and I realized that we didn't fit that that vision, the direction they were going in. Mm-hmm. They, they were looking to do more energy commodity and demand reduction type of work, which isn't, it's kind of in line with energy efficiency, but it's not what our specialty was. So we actually did a management buyout and we bought the company back from Enernoc. Um, and we called it World Energy Efficiency Services, which is what it still is today. And we ran that until 2002. 21 this year in may we were acquired by a company called xl fleet which is very exciting for us because xl fleet is a company that does electrification of vehicles okay so they work with um larger the larger trucks dump trucks buses so not like the f-150s and Mm. though they started with doing that the f-150s the sierras they were turning them into either hybrid um or, or plug-in hybrid vehicles. Okay. And basically, you're saving, depending on the truck and, and what product you're putting in, you know, 25 to 50% of your gas usage. So the reason why XL Fleet acquired us is they were going out to work with a lot of, you know, customers, and the customers wanted the electric vehicles, but then you got, now you have to plug them in, obviously, right? So now you got to plug them in. What do you, how do you do that? Because it takes a lot of load, you know, a power to charge mm-hmm. to charge the vehicles, so they quickly realized that they need to work on the infrastructure of the customer. So, to, just to boil it down, make it simple: now the customer really needs to do energy efficiency. They need to do solar battery storage. They need to get their load down so they can take on a significant amount of EV charging systems, so they can use those vehicles. So that's why they acquired us. And that's kind of where we are today. So we're do, we, we continue to do energy efficiency. We're growing pretty quickly into into solar and battery storage, okay. and we're doing um, electric vehicle charging stations throughout throughout New England as well. That's pretty awesome. I didn't know that, but yeah. Um, yeah so EVs are really interesting. Um, I'm, I'm into cars. I know you are too. Yes. Um, and I hear a lot of mixed things about electric vehicles. I mean, a, a lot of mixed things. You really have one side and, and another, you know. I, I, I like to think that I'm in the middle ground. I appreciate what they are. Um, I think they're really cool vehicles. Uh, I love the um, the new, like, Rimac came out with a car, the, the Concept 2, which is pretty awesome, mm-hmm. insanely fast. But a lot of people have issues with the batteries and recycling them. And I actually did a... Uh, a project in in my first my only year at URI and uh, I talked about EVs and how I think that the technology is awesome but I think in order for us to for everybody to drive one we need to figure out a better way to recycle the batteries right because they don't last forever that's correct so I mean I, I think that I think obviously EVs help the environment but to a point the production is also something to think about um, but like I said, I think they're really cool. I mean, Teslas are awesome. I've been in one before. It was insane. And my actually, my dad drove it. Yeah, they're, they're unbelievably quick. <laughs> yeah. You've driven, I've driven a few of them now. Yeah. I drove the Mustang, the e, Mark E. The Mark E, yeah. yeah. 
and um, I've j- driven a few of them, yeah. and they're they're unbelievably fast. Yeah. It's, you, you hit the gas, and they, they take off. It, or not it, the accelerator. Yeah, because it's not a gas. Yeah, <laughs> valid point. Valid point. Good, good catch on that. Yeah, yeah but what you mentioned on uh, you know, I, I think one of the just a lot of challenges with EV. It's definitely going to change. I mean, we're going to have everybody's going to have electric vehicles at some point. Mm-hmm. Probably two years ago, it was thought that by s- seven years, eighty percent of Americans would be driving electric vehicles. A couple things are happening. One is COVID and the chip shortage. You just can't get vehicles. Yeah. You can't build parts. You can't build, you know, the motors. So, the that has really affected it. Um, there's getting enough charging systems in there, you know, EV charging throughout the country, um, so that people can actually drive them and be able to stop and and charge that. And I think there was. I think a lot of people thought that would be easier, but as I mentioned before, they're running into the problem of, you know, a, you can't just put a charger anywhere because, you know, the, the, the panels, the, the electric systems within the buildings can't handle it. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of infrastructure that needs to be done in order to, um, to get this to work. And that's, you know, Biden's infrastructure bill is going to address a lot of that if, you know, hopefully that'll get passed. But there's a lot of money that'll be put into infrastructure and incentives into, um, building infrastructure, you know, upgrading the electrical system so that EV charging can be, you know, almost everywhere. So you can have it almost like a gas station. Yeah. But the biggest fear, and, you know, you're a car guy as I am, and I would have an electric vehicle of some type today. Um, for me, it's range anxiety. Yeah. I, and I think everybody, you know, a lot of people are facing that. And I do a lot of driving. I have, you know, 77 miles that I drive to work. So it's a, you know, 150 plus round trip. And if I go to a meeting... You know, now I'm, you know, two, 300 miles in a day. Now I really need to, you know, think about where I'm going to stop to get, you know, charged up because I'm not going to make it home. And that's not something any of us think about today. We fill up our tanks and if we're running low, we stop and get gas. Yeah. So it's just not there yet, I think. Um, so I think that's, that's the challenge. There's a video, and I wish I could think of the name right now, um, but there's a video that shows... I forgot the year, but long time ago, and it was a bunch of horses with one, you know, Ford car, you know, in, in, in a in a in a setting, and then it showed the same exact setting, and I think it was seven years later, and it was a bunch of cars with one horse tied up to a to a post. Electric vehicle is going to be the same thing, and originally I thought it would be the same timeline. Um, but I think between, you know, infrastructure, the whole COVID and chip shortage and vehicle shortage and, um, you know, th- those, those, those items and, and range anxiety and, and changing the, the perception of people, I think it's going to take longer, but mm-hmm. it, it will definitely get there. Yeah. I mean, um, well, the new Tesla Model S Plaid, I think, does over 400 miles on a charge, right? Yes. But I mean... When you have that car, you almost want to go fast every single time you're in it. So I imagine that range goes, goes yeah, down really Yeah, and, and also, and I'm pro-EV. I might say yeah. some things that sound a little negative, but I'm, I'm definitely pro-EV, yeah. and it's going to get there, and I you know, I, I think everybody should move in that direction. But there's also some unknown things. If it's extremely hot or extremely yeah. cold, you can lose up to 15% of your battery capacity. Okay. So, you know, you go to work today and you got 100 miles left, and it's really hot while your car is sitting in the park line. You come out, now you got 85 miles left, mm-hmm. and it's... There's things like that that people don't don't realize, and you really need to think about. Yeah. What? What is? Have you heard of hydrogen fuel cell cars? I, I've heard of them. I yeah. don't. I I know very little about them. All right. I actually did a, another um, another class. I did a, 
a project on that too. I did a little bit of a study session on it and they're really interesting. Um, the only thing is hydrogen is like insanely, it's insanely expensive to condense and put into a, like a gas station aspect. Um, and that's, that's the main thing about it is, is it's super expensive and, uh, it's actually dangerous because right. if you get in an accident, it might blow up. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's a little bit of a negative. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, the technology is really interesting, a hydrogen fuel cell. I actually talked about this on my last podcast, or not two podcasts ago. I had a YouTuber on who, who reviews cars, and we talked about hydrogen uh, fuel cell cars. And I believe Hyundai makes one and Toyota makes one. But they're only sold in California because California is the only state with the hydrogen fuel cell stations. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that's... A potential future car, you know, if it's not gas, and it'll be EV and hydrogen. Um, but it might just be for the people that can afford it. Um, yeah, that's going to be hard to to mass, you know, produce and get mm-hmm. out into the market because th- there's a lot of there's a lot of fears around it and and the cost, mm-hmm. right? I mean, EV's been around for a while, but until they started getting, you know, Teslas with their you know their Model Three, and you started getting some less expensive cars out there, and mm-hmm. now you know almost everybody has them. It wasn't catching on, you mm-hmm. know. Everybody wanted one, but they weren't willing to spend a hundred thousand dollars for an electric vehicle. Well, the technology just wasn't there yet. Exactly, because electric cars existed a hundred years ago, right? Like they had taxis in New York that were electric, but they had lead acid batteries that lasted, you know, for fifteen miles, not even, you know. So it was like the technology wasn't there, and then they just forgot about it until I don't know, ten, fifteen years ago, really. Absolutely. Um, but it's. Like I said, I think it's really interesting technology, um, and obviously technology gets better as it goes. And I think I think we're definitely within five years of a thousand mile range electric car. I was just about to say that I, I think if you and I have the same conversation five years from now, we'll mm-hmm. be talking about you know a thousand fifteen hundred mile mm-hmm. you know cars. Look at all the technologies that have come out there. Look at you know servers. Look at cell phones. Look at computers. Look look at anything and think mm-hmm. about how quickly they've changed mm-hmm. you're going to see the same thing well, with the batteries it's an exponential rate of change when yes. it comes to technology it's not linear it's not it's it goes from like you look at the car right you had the model t ford and then within 20 years you had the jag you have jaguars that go 130 miles an hour and look like spaceships you know and then within 20 years after that you had dragsters out on the salt flats that did 200 plus miles an hour and then you know, 20 years later, you had the, you know, the McLaren F1 that did 240 miles an hour and you could buy it and drive it on the road. Right. And now you have the Bugatti Chiron that can do over 300 miles an hour. Um, or yeah, over like 304 miles an hour. And, it, and, and within, and it's just going to keep exponentially going. That, that's what you're going to see. It's, you know, the EV market is going, it's, it's going slow. And what you said, you know, so a lot of people might think it's going to be linear. So, you know, I think right now, uh, half a percent of Americans have an electric vehicle. I think there's 1.3 mi- million electric vehicles on the on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's I think that's a number roughly, it's, but it's not you know. So next year it's not going to be 2.6, and the, yeah, it's gonna it's just going to take off. So, and Tesla has what like probably 400 thousand of that 1.3 yeah. oh, million because they sold like I think they were the best selling subcompact um, car in the luxury like portion of you know the car market was a tesla model 3 yeah. you know compared to like the the bmw 3 series and things like that i think it 
outsold that those cars. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure they sold like 250,000 of them in 2018, um, and it's probably more in 19. And then the Model S, I'm not I'm not exactly sure what the numbers are for that, but yep. I mean that. It's insane, and I should have bought some Tesla stock a while ago, but I didn't. <laughs> you and me both. Yeah, I have, I do have some cryptocurrencies though. There you go. Yeah, I have some Dogecoin and Shiba Inu, which is pretty cool. Yeah, but, no, I haven't done that. Me and my business partner actually thought about doing some mining and yeah. getting some servers, and we just never pulled the trigger. Yeah, but well, that's a topic for another time. And I mean, I actually want to have a podcast episode on cryptocurrency. So uh, I want to hear that because I, okay. I know very little about it. I'd like yeah. to learn more. Well, actually, my my old boss, I did Harvard flooring for a little bit, and uh, he actually is into it big time now, and he's trying to day trade with his brother which is pretty cool, you know, because he goes from hard manual labor to a desk job, so now he can't make fun of it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tom Brady just gave that guy cryptocurrency, the the guy that they gave the 600 touchdown football to. I didn't see that. Yeah, they, he scored his 600th touchdown the other day, threw his 600, and they, they mistakenly gave the fan a ball. They got mm-hmm. the, the ball back, and Tom Brady signed a couple of jersey, gave him a helmet and a couple of balls, and he also gave him a crypto coin, I believe, um, worth $63,000 today. So who knows wow. what the value will be. So just yeah. that, that's where it's come, where it, this guy was given cryptocurrency by Tom Brady. Yeah, that's crazy. But uh, yeah, so um, back onto energy, I'd like to talk about the um, the industry a little bit. Obviously, we talked about EVs, and that was actually one of the questions, but you know, we can move on from that now. So um, in terms of energy production for everything, you know, from houses to cities and things like that, what uh, sort of energy type do you think will be the most prevalent within 10 years? Because we're seeing a massive surge in renewable energies, obviously, with EVs. Um, but what sort of technology do you think will be the most prevalent in that production? Um, I mean, I, I think this... <laughs> Solar's growing. Yeah, solar's growing very, very quickly. Yeah. So I, I think that's going to be a major, um, you know, producer of, of electricity. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be hard to to make that a like the major producer of electricity. I I think your standard power plants that we have today are going to be there for for a long time and are going to be you know the fifty percent or more. Um, I guess, you know, what I wonder with the solar technology is, you know, a panel right now is, you know, four foot by eight foot. And, you know, you see the fields all over that have, you know, hundreds and hundreds of them. Five years from now, are those same panels producing, you know, 400 watts and they're one by one? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, again, I don't know enough about the technology, you know, the science behind the technology. But, you know, I think if we can get to that, because right now the panels are, are, they're four by eight, and, you know, they were 120 watts per panel, and then they were 180, and then 220, and now they're, you know, you can get them at 420, 430 watts per panel. So that technology has increased tremendously. But, you know, will the size change? So I, I think if the size can change, then you can have a lot more of it because you're limited with field space, roof space. You know, mm-hmm. where, where can you put this? Mm-hmm. So I think if the size can change, then the solar technology will really take off and really be a major contributor to, to the, um, you know, to the grid. Yeah, I've always thought, you know, solar is a really cool and interesting technology as well. Um, but I always thought, you know, you have all these malls going out of business and like Sears and Benny's, like. Why not? Why don't you have energy companies buying these these old lots and just turning them into solar fields? Because they're because they're just empty. 
and and sitting there. Yeah, and and there's a lot there's a there's a lot of pushback, right? There's a lot of people who don't like looking at a solar field. Mm. So you know, it's that NIMBY, not in my backyard. People want solar; they just don't want to see it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like over on uh, in Ashaway, they put that big solar field in. Yes, um, which is kind of hidden, but behind the woods. But I mean, it's there. <laughs> yeah, it's there. You can see it. And I think they're doing something over um, off of Route Two where um, uh, Shartner Farms is. Are I, they? I th- I don't know. Well, they're building a hydroponic. Is that what that yeah, is? Yeah. Okay, they're gonna grow thought, tomatoes there. Oh, hydroponic I'll, tomatoes. Because I thought it was like something to do with solar. No, because it looked like I'm like, what in the world is that? But yeah. it looked like something like that. Because I drove past, and I was like, huh? But um, yeah, I mean. <laughs> I don't think solar panels are any worse to look at than a, you know, rundown Benny's, you know. I agree. I, I, <laughs> one thing that's happening a lot now is with the 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 way the utilities are looking at it, because you know before you could only put it behind the meter, so you had you know you had your electric meter, and then the customer could put it, um, you know, put it behind there, you mm-hmm. know, put it behind the meter and serve their own plant. But now a lot of the states are moving to, and again, I'm not the expert on this, but they're moving to in front of the meter. Um, solar so that will enable us to you know enable solar to be installed uh you go to a mall or go to a building and basically just lease their roof space say you know what let us let us put fill up your roof we'll give you you know so many thousand dollars a year to lease that space and then you can throw that energy into the grid throw it right back into the grid and you can have it serve a community you mm-hmm. can it's basically microgrids is what you're creating you can have it serve a community and for for building owners property managers you know they're already you know if you have a strip mall and you have a hundred clients or 10 clients with within there there's one more client you can get you got your roof space mm-hmm. so now you can have somebody come in and install the solar so I, that's where some of the technology and some of the, the advances are going to be, where you can, you know, do you know, and, and put solar on your roof, but not necessarily for yourself, but to feed the, you know, the community. So that that's some changes that are really going to be you know, really going to spark the industry. Yeah, and, uh, you'll see that happen as quickly as next year. Yeah. So like a bunch. Uh basically solar panels on a bunch of roofs of of malls and things like that yeah and yeah, yeah and, and people that who really didn't don't didn't need solar or maybe they don't need that much mm-hmm. solar right but now so you can put solar that's 200 percent of what they use and the other 100 percent goes out into the grid yeah so i mean i've always found this other type of renewable energy very interesting and that's nuclear uh power plants and i don't know why but well i do know why but people view it as such a scary thing uh because of chernobyl right and when you actually look at the numbers of people that have died building renewable energy sources <laughs> nuclear is last place they're the least amount of deaths but you also think about how many more solar plants are built how many more windmills have been built compared to nuclear power plants but they're just so much more efficient than like a wind i think windmill technology is probably the worst out of the you know renewable technologies that have came out in the recent years i mean but uh nuclear energy is also ugly compared you know because people don't like looking at the windmills talk about nimby yeah you know nobody wants to be anywhere near a nuclear power plant yeah yeah i mean uh, it brings me back though to like where these malls are but they're also an incredibly populated area they are so like you can't really put a nuclear power yeah. plant there. Nuclear power plant is 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 very safe. It's, yeah, it's inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you're not you and I are not going to see it. They're not going to build a nuclear power plant in in New England or, no. or, or in the United States. You, you're just not going to you're just not going to do it. It's got. It's, I mean, people are afraid of it. And you know, you're talking about getting rid of the batteries for electric vehicles. You know, you got the nuclear waste. Mm-hmm. How are you going to get rid of yeah. the nuclear waste? That's you know, that's always been an ongoing issue. Well, they usually just bury it, right? Well, they do. You yeah, know, and these concrete enclosed tombs, but how, you know how. People don't like that either. They're burying it, and you know, out in Montana, in the middle of nowhere. But how, how much can you bury out there before yeah. before it comes an issue? But you know, right, like right now, there's no. I don't know of any nuclear power plants that are being proposed. You know, even seeking permits, um, it, it would take years to get that through, and years of design and it, nuclear. It, I just don't see that as happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just got such a bad reputation out there in you know, the general public. And there'd be such pushback that I could never see it passing in any planning and zoning mm-hmm. meeting anywhere. Yeah, I, I, I unfortunately have to agree with that because I, I think it's the most interesting type of renewable technology. I think it has the most potential, but there is that holding it back. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do see like, it's funny because you see like, in Paris, I think they had a multitude of nuclear power plants, and they're taking them all down, or something like that. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure, but I don't want to say something that I don't know about. Yeah, well, unfortunately, um, you don't take them down. You yeah. have to mothball yeah. them, and you have to enclose them. Yeah, and it's, it's it's very very costly. Yeah, and you know you don't just like they took down the towers in Fall River, the cooling towers. You know you don't do that with a nuclear. Is power that where plant. they were? The, the, I know there the, was one in Massachusetts. Those, those cooling towers. Okay, they had taken those that those down but like a nuclear power plant you don't just take down a nuclear power plant okay. you know that 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 land is contaminated for forever mm-hmm. so yeah so i mean obviously you know i think i think well you said that you know basically coal power production is going to be around for a long time right yeah i mean yes and and a lot of people are pushing especially within um the government to rapidly push renewable energies. Do you think that is a good or bad thing to switch so rapidly to a totally different type of energy source? I, I think it's good. I yeah. mean, I think it's good for the economy, and I think it's the okay. right thing for the environment. That's interesting. Okay. But it's we have to be careful. Again, strictly my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to be very careful of running too quick with new technology because mm-hmm. new technology changes so quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, you th- again, I mentioned server rooms, but you think about you know years ago the the huge server rooms that are now you know you can put everything in a closet. You know, it's the same thing. So you know the technology has evolved so quickly that you, you really need to let it take its time to develop and you know work out the bugs and. You know whether it's the size, the cost, the the efficiency of whatever the renewable source is, you need to let it go through its its development and not mass produce something that's fairly new. Mm-hmm. That that's just my opinion yeah. because the technology changes too quickly. Yeah. Well, and, and and to go off of that, it's if you switch so rapidly to this new type of technology, you're gonna have, you know, you you're gonna need more people, you know, to run them. And then there won't be as many people that know how to do it, but there are a lot of people that have worked on power plants for coal and things like that. So I think that there needs to be some sort of transition, but it's not going to be in 10 years. It's going to, you're talking 20, 30 years plus. Absolutely. And I think, you know, when people talk about transition into all renewable, there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot, you know, 
people who don't who aren't in the industry are like, oh wow, you know, we'll all be solar in you know in five years. It's not that's not going to be the case. It's mm-hmm. going to take a long time, but we need to keep moving forward. We yeah. need to keep doing it. We need to keep improving the technology. We need to keep installing that, mm-hmm. installing it. But it's not going to be something that happens overnight. Yeah, which is which is the way it should be. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so. I think I'd like to switch back to just talking about your business. I know sure. that was kind of, kind of like a worldly, worldly conversation, but it interests me. Um, so when um, when you started your business, uh, I, I asked this to a, a lot of different business owners. What was the most difficult part starting it? Um, it's probably, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a lot of that goes through your head. Um, the unknown is probably the biggest you know, for me personally, I had to quit a job where I was making pretty good money and start a business where I didn't know if I was going to get a paycheck. You know, I had a good vision. I had a plan. You know, again, me and my business partner, you know, we knew what we wanted to do, but could we execute on it and how long would it take? And it's not easy. I mean, I went six months without earning a paycheck and, you know, that that's hard. That's mm-hmm. hard to do. Um, you know, so it, it's, it's it's that right. It's the finance. It boils down to the finances, um, but it's it's the unknown of. I have this plan. I have this business plan. I'm pretty sure I can execute on it, but until you actually go and do it, you just don't know. And you know, sometimes it happens quicker than you thought, and sometimes it takes longer than you than you thought. Yeah. Okay. Um, so when you were a kid, did you think that you were, you're going to have your own business eventually, or? No, no. I I never th- I I never thought of that. I mean, I I was. You know, I'm a blue collar. I come from a blue collar family. I grew up in, you know, Taffville, Connecticut, which is a part of Norwich. You know, we didn't have a lot of money. My mom worked at a, you know, a factory, you know, thermos factory assembly line. My dad was a union carpenter. Um, I just thought I was going to work. I was going to be an electrician. Mm-hmm. I went to, you know, Norwich Tech and majored in the electrical program there. I thought I was just going to be an electrician, you know, wiring houses and stuff like that. I, I never thought that I would... Uh, own my own business one day yeah what was the main drive like when you and your business partner got back got together like what was the main drive pushing you guys to start the business um well it was him pushing me i mean yeah. he's <laughs> he's a lot young. he's 18 years younger than me so he he was he was driven mm-hmm. um but i i you know i wouldn't have done it obviously if i didn't think we could do it but we um I think we had a great product. You know, the service that we had just made sense. We knew the industry inside and out. Um, you know, I had worked for the utility for a long time, so I had a fairly good reputation in the industry. So I thought we could really get into a lot of places, you know, using that. So, um, you know, that 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 was kind of the main drive. And, and, and that's probably the point in time where it was like, you know what, I, I think I can own a business. And Wow, how exciting would that be to be able to be my own boss and, you know, kind of, you know, do my own thing, make decisions. I don't have to go to somebody else and say, hey, can I hire this person or can I buy this this 3D printer? You know, mm-hmm. can I just, hey, I have the money and I want to do it and here's the pluses of doing that and I just make a decision and live with it. And yeah. um, that started exciting me at that point in time. So I think that was probably a, 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 another part of the deciding factor is like, you know, I want to, I want to being in control of my own destiny. If I want to go golfing on a Thursday at 10 o'clock, I want to go golfing at Thursday at 10 o'clock. It's at 10 funny o'clock. you say that because when we first started our business, um, my business partner and I, there was 
we opened up an office in, in Cromwell, Connecticut, and right across the street was a bar, mm-hmm. a miniature golf course, and a driving range. <laughs> and we said, it's going to be awesome. You know, we'll be able to go out there and hit some balls like at lunchtime and, you know, we'll play some miniature golf, and then we'll go have, a, you know, a cocktail after work. Mm-hmm. We worked in that office for probably five, six years together. Um, I never hit a, drive, a ball on the range. <laughs> we played miniature golf once. We took a customer there, and I never went to that bar. <laughs> you, it's, it takes so much work yeah. and so much effort that yeah. you just lose all sight of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So would you say that's the most re- rewarding part of having your own business? Not playing golf? No. <laughs> well, like being able to be your own boss. Yeah, absolutely. And building something. You know, Again, it was me and my business partner sitting in a room, you know, we we did all the work, right? We had no employees at the time. We were doing the audits. I was driving all over New England, going in, you know, convenience stores and trying to see what they had. It was just, it was just, we did it all. You know, we we were doing the project management, um, and to see it now, you know, now we have. Even though I just sold it in May, we have you know forty employees. Wow. We have um, people making you know really good money. We got some employees really making some some good good cash. Um, well deserved. They're working really hard, but you know, you look back at it and say, "We built something really good. We um, were supporting, you know, forty families, and you know, through what we've built, we've really accomplished yeah. something." And you just sit back and you know, you, you, you don't do it enough as a build, business owner because you're always worried about you know paying the bills and you know what's going on. But you need to sit back. Or at least I need to sit back at time to say, you know what, we we really built something good and we're doing some good. And, you know, not only for my family, myself, but for a lot of other families. And luckily in the business that we're in, we're helping a lot of, a ton of businesses. Mm-hmm. You know, be, you know, there's businesses that we help stay in business because we, we reduce their electric bills so much. Um, and by them staying in business, they're able to keep their employees, you know, employed, and you know, blah blah blah. It, it continues down the line. So exactly, it, it's it's a good feeling to know that you had a part of that. That's re- that's really uh, that's really cool. Um, so what what do you uh, attribute to your success as a business owner? <laughs> you know, I'd like to say it's my intelligence and my hard work and all that, and um, it, it's it's luck. <laughs> it, it, it truly is. I mean, it's not pure luck, but it's yeah. like, you know, you 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 know, you have to be smart about things. You have to make sound decisions, and you know, you have to line things up. But it, there's, there's things that have to happen that that just luck. Things need to line up and happen in your yep. favor. Well, I like I like the line: "The harder you work, the luckier you get." Uh, absolutely, and yeah. That, that's a fact. Yeah, that's a fact. There's actually a song that I like listening to. That's that, by American Aquarium, I think, but it's a good song. But yeah. um, actually, just going back to the chip manufacturing, you see that part right there hanging on that that white part? I do. That's for uh, a chip manufacturer in Germany. Actually, um, my sister's friend who she plays softball with, her dad works for that company in Cranston, and that's for the chip manufacturing. Really? Yeah, it goes on the assembly line. That's pretty cool. So, yeah, I just thought of that. But I didn't sign an NDA, so I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so I guess we can go ahead and start to end the podcast. And I always ask this one question uh, at the very end. What piece of advice do you want to leave the listeners? It can be life, business, whatever you want it to be. It's, wow um, yeah <laughs> it, it's don't be afraid to try yeah 
I'm not sure how to say it right, but you know, there's there's a lot of people who have business ideas, or you know, we're talking about business, so business ideas, and they never, they never try it. They never, you know, you always, I wish I would have done this, or you know, it's always in the back of your mind, especially if you got that entrepreneurial spirit. It's like give it a shot, and you don't have to quit your job and go run and do it. Mm-hmm. Do it as a side gig, you know, a side hustle. Try doing it on the side and say, okay, this does work, or it doesn't. Um, but if it does work, then slowly build on it. But um, just try. Just just give it a shot. If you got if you got an idea, j- just find somebody. And there's money out there. You know, sometimes it's like, well, you know, I need two thousand dollars, five thousand, a hundred thousand dollars. There's money to be had if you need an investor, an investment of some type. Mm-hmm. You just got you just got to ask. But um, I, I think that's the I think that's what it is. Is, is try. Yeah. You know, don't don't just assume that you're not made for it. You know, I'm, I'm not made to be an entrepreneur or a business person. I'm just going to just do my, my job and get, you know, work my 40 hours, get my paycheck. Yeah. I mean that, that sounds like something a lot of, you know, a lot of people would know, but some people just need to hear that, yeah. you know, cause it, I like to say that there's no such thing as a bad idea, but there is sometimes, but I mean, it doesn't hurt to try. If you believe in it, yeah, why not try it? Yeah, and th- I mean, a lot, a ton of businesses fail, right? Yeah. So, you know, that's why I say you don't necessarily have to quit your job and go full force into something, but, you know, dabble in it. Make mm-hmm. it a hobby, make it a side gig, and then, you know, see see where it goes from there. Yeah. And I think there's value, you know, depending on what you want to do, there's value in having a business partner. You know, a lot of, a lot of partnerships fail, but I was fortunate enough, my business partner and I, we've been working together, you know, for a long time, and we're, we're opposites. We, we we augment each other so well. So if you can find somebody like that, you know what I'm good at, he's not, and what he's good at, I'm not. And I think that's what really helped us to succeed. Yeah, well, that's that's really good advice. So I really appreciate you coming out. I mean, I know you're busy, guys. So thank you very much for coming on the podcast. No problem. Um, but uh, yeah, so listeners, if you have any questions you want me to ask future guests on the podcast, email me at knowledgeispowerri at gmail dot com, and I'll catch you in the next one.